that I missed that Charles is one grandbaby older also. Uh, and his, Billy's came into the world at 513 and Cruz came in at 8 what? And if you saw the picture, it looked like he'd been pumping weights and doing squats. I mean, uh, he, was, he, was, he was fully developed when he came. So, uh, wow. I, I don't remember a time in the life of this church that we've had that many babies associated with us that quickly. Uh, so, uh, there, there's kids to come. Amen. So, uh, we're in chapter 21 of Matthew. And today we're looking at what I find to be a, a really uh, interesting little paragraph of Scripture. Because we have this event that's pretty, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty uh, emphatic event. Uh, we have Jesus looking at a fig tree and finding no fruit on it. He caused the fig tree to be withered. Uh, dead uh, to the root. And then right after that, we have two verses that teach us about the power of prayer. So just to kind of figure all that out has uh, been a a, a challenge. And uh, if I don't have it figured out this morning, maybe y'all can help me to get it figured out. So let's look at the scripture again uh, as we get started this morning. I'm in Matthew chapter 21, verse 17. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. And in the morning, he was returning to the city, and he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it. And, and, and these two words struck me this week. And found nothing on it. But only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Some of you are way more experts on fig trees than I am. Uh, The only thing I know about a fig tree is our neighbor used to have one in her yard. I don't think it's there anymore. Uh, But she used to come and offer us figs. And they always looked to me rotten. And I just couldn't get it within myself to put something that looked rotten already into my mouth. How many of you have fig trees in your yard? Ah, we have some that have fig trees. So y'all know way more than I do about it. But I want you to know that a fig tree in a person's yard during Jesus' time was pretty common, right? It was so common in this particular event that this was a public fig tree that was on the side of the road as he came from Bethany into Jerusalem. So... They were way more uh, understanding of, of fig trees and vineyards than we are because that's, it'd be kind of living, living in a place that Bob lived in, in California, uh, vineyards and fruit and things like that. 
were very common. So we, we kind of know where we're at, and it seems like it's been forever since I preached. Uh, and if you missed Vincent's sermon last week, it, it is on Sermon Audio. And if you don't know Vincent, he is, he, they're just 20, he's 24 and she's 24. And, and I'm telling you, he is, he is an anointed, powerful young preacher. And he preached a, a, a good message last week. Uh, if you've got some drive time, uh, you'll, you'll be sure you want to listen to that. So Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey. Uh, he, dry, he drove out the buyers and sellers out of the temple, made the place a house of prayer again. So those who were blind and lame came into the temple and they were healed. Uh, after that, the children were praising Jesus and the scribes and the, the priests of uh, the religious leaders took offense at that. And so today we pick up with Jesus cursing the fig tree. Now, often uh, Israel is referred to as a vine or a branch or, or something to do with that, with a vineyard. And you've got the scripture there that you can look at, Hosea 10, 9, 10. Like grapes in the wilderness, okay, like grapes growing in the wilderness, I found Israel. Now he's talking about a nation of people and he relates it to being a vineyard. Like the first fruit on the fig tree in its first season, I saw your father's. But they came to, to Baal Peor and consecrated themselves to the thing of shame and became te- detestable like the thing they loved. So Israel is often known as a vineyard or a vine. Matter of fact, Jesus has already used this imagery uh, himself. He used these words in Luke thirteen six, And he told this parable, A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Sounds like kind of the same, uh, same scenario. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone just, just one year also until I dig around it, put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So Jesus has already taught once on the fig tree, a little different scenario going on. So the, the fig tree in this scripture that we just read that Jesus related, and, and the fig tree that we're talking about today as he came into Jerusalem, really both of these pictures are talking about a barren Israel, spiritually speaking, and an Israel that is about because of their unfruitfulness to experience the doom of God. Are you with me? Okay, so Israel has an appearance of being a fig tree, but there's not much spiritual fruit. And because that, God is going to bring judgment on Israel. Are you with me? So that's kind of, a, that's kind of the scenario that we're looking at. There should have been fruit on the fig tree. There wasn't, and it was withered. Okay, now, I'm not the fig tree expert. I have no idea how it, uh, how it works. But I have read that it's kind of unusual that the fig tree, at least in the Middle East, would put on fruit at about the same time that it puts on leaves. Okay? So when he came and found the tree in full leaf, it should have had a fig, fig on it, it wouldn't have been fully developed yet. It wouldn't be ripe, but it would have been edible. 
okay? So there should have been some fruit on it, but there was no fruit on this one, okay? Now, that's the way that I understand it. Now, uh, and it, it's, it's kind of like the persimmon tree. Uh, how many of you have ever, ever eaten a persimmon? Okay, it's, it's something that you really ought to experience. Uh, I, I, I have a fig tree on 5th Street between me and, and Mr. Hughes. And so, I mean, it's always loaded, so I'm always watching it. Now, I'll just give you a little advice about a persimmon tree. It may have fully developed fruit on it. It might even be yellowish in color, but listen... It's not ready to eat till it comes a killing frost. Because if you eat that fully, I mean, it's big, it's pretty, it's a persimmon, but uh, it's got alum in it. And so you bite into that thing before it's ripe, and your mouth draws up like this, right? But, but it, in, in my opinion, it has a wonderful flavor when it's, once it's ripe. So every year I'm watching the figs, or figs, I'm watching the persimmons develop, and I'm watching the fruit. Some years it'll be loaded. Some years it doesn't have that many. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful how God brings things about in, in his way? So, so what's, what's Israel's problem? Well, if you had your kids in Sunday school, uh, you'd, you'd know, or if you were in Sunday school, you'd know this, that Israel, Israel always had a problem in following idols rather than following the only true God, okay? And we still have that problem today. You remember in, in uh, northern and southern uh, Israel, uh, Judah and Israel, uh, you know that one of them had 19 kings and none of them were good. The other one had 20 kings and six of them were good. And when the kings were good, the, the people kind of followed the Lord. And when the kings weren't good, they went their own way. So that's kind of what always went on with the nation of Israel. It's still that way today. Look, it's still that way today. People are like sheep. They need a leader that will lead them towards holiness and righteousness. Amen? We still need that today. So, Jesus has been rejected as king, and the time of judgment is near. And we've all, I thought about it this morning, about the time I stepped out of the shower, death, burial, resurrection of the dead, judgment, eternity. We never know how close we are to judgment. His cursing this fig tree is a powerful symbolic action. Matter of fact, I think he was kind towards the people of Israel that he, he cursed a fig tree instead of just bringing immediate judgment upon them. You know, some people find fault in him that he was cruel to a fig tree. Well, now, come on, guys. <laughs> who, who sprouted and who rooted and... Who caused the fig tree to grow in the first place? Yeah. And what can God do with his creation? Whatever he wants to do. it, He can use it any way he wants to. And who are we to question that? Now, it's also a clear warning. Listen to me carefully. Are y'all listening? 
It's also a clear warning for any religion that does not produce fruit. Religion that does not produce fruit is no religion at all. Individually, me, I will be judged for my fruitfulness. The church, I'm talking about the church, God's church. Those that, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the invisible church that's made up only of believers. Okay? But it will even be judged for the fruit that it produces. But then let's come to the local church. Look, we will be judged by the fruit that we, you, bear in the world. How about a country? A country that has been blessed by God. This country, all countries, will be held responsible for what they have known about God and the opportunities that they have had, whether or not they are fruit-bearing or not. So this is symbolic. Now, this is a vivid object lesson for all time. God expects fruit in every one of our lives to whatever degree... That we're responsible for. I think about the scripture, I, and, I, and it never comes to my mind, and it's one that I that I that I that I have memorized. But Miss Granny and Miss Jimmy, you know, we'd do better if we knew better. Well, when we know better, the more we know, the more fruit we're responsible for. So the Jewish church was destitute of fruit. It had, are y'all listening carefully? No grace, no faith, no love, no humility, no spirituality, no real holiness, and no desire to embrace Jesus Christ as the Messiah. The first evidence of fruit is our embracing Christ. Thus, like the fig tree... The Jewish church was fixing to be judged and wither away. Gone. Wiped out. Ephesians 6 6. I really, I really liked this scripture. Not by the way of eye service. Okay, so here, get the picture now. We're not doing what we do for people to see. Amen. We're doing what we do because that's who we are. Are you with me? So let's go back to that list uh, right before. I don't know if it's on the same page with you or not. But let me, let me go back. So we, we, we don't do what we do. We don't have the grace for people to necessarily see who we are. But we have faith. We have love. We have humility. We have spirituality. There's some holiness that is developed in our life, and it all begins when we embrace Jesus as the Savior and we begin to follow Him. And everything else kind of flows out of that. 
So Ephesians 6, 6. Not by the way of eye service. Anything we do to be seen, poop, gone. You got everything you, everything you were hoping for, you got it right then if you did it to be seen. As people pleasers, that's what's wrong with the church today. In my opinion, the number one problem with the church today is that preachers want to be politically correct. They want to be, they want, they want to do enough virtual signaling to fit in on social media. We're not here to be people pleasers. We're here to be God pleasers. If that pleases people at the same time, praise God. If not, we'll just have to go on. Amen. But as bond servants of Christ, look, look, look. This is it right here. This scripture speaks about it. Doing the will of God from the heart. Doing the will of God because we know what He has done for us and what we want to do is to do the will of God. And that comes from the heart. The heart that has loved and embraced Christ. So let's jump in the text. Verse 17. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. So, at least on Sunday night and Monday night, he went back to Bethany. And I, I feel confident that he stayed at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. I feel confident of that because uh, from what I can gather from the scripture, they had prepared him a bedroom up on their flat roof and uh, he had a place that he could go and lay his head and rest. So, our Lord had been in the temple. He's driven out the buyer and the sellers there. And then he went out of the city to be at Bethany. Uh, you know, I don't think Jesus necessarily enjoyed the questioning and the complaining that he got when he was in the temple. It's, he was God in the flesh, amen? And in the flesh... He could not have enjoyed enduring all the complaining and, and the questioning of who he was. So he left there when he could, and he went to Bethany. He loved the villages, and he had special friends there. He loved the warmth and the hospitality that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus showed him. You, you, come on now. I mean, Jesus had a place that he felt welcomed at. So, a day of excitement, a day of work, call for a time of rest. That's the way he geared us. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how, how whipped you can be and go to bed? Now, th this is absolutely a phenomenal miracle to me, that God has fixed this body in such a way that we can absolutely be totally exhausted and eight good hours of sleep later, we've been restored. Isn't that amazing? Now, when you get a little older and you don't sleep too well and things like that, sometimes it doesn't seem that way. But in our prime, that's the way that we are. And Jesus come in the flesh, fully God, fully man. He needed at that time some rest. And he knew where to go to get it. So... I wonder how he'd feel at my house. Think about, how do you think he'd feel at your house? 
Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a privilege if he lodged with us? I, I think it's interesting. He walked in the garden in the cool of the night with Adam and Eve. Amen? He set the tabernacle up in the center of the 12 tribes every time they camped. You know what he was telling us? What he's always told us? I will dwell with my people. Did you know when he comes back and sets up the new kingdom, he will dwell there with us. He, he, is going, he is going to lodge with his people. And his people are going for eternity lodge with him. So I think we ought to get pretty comfortable with it now. How about y'all? Verse 18. In the morning as he was returning to the city, became hungry. Now, here's what I suspect. Uh, I suspect that Mary and Martha had left him some bread, and if there was any cheese, and probably a little wine out, so when he got up in the morning, he'd be there. But you can imagine, uh, in the flesh, he woke up, thought about what was before him, got up, and in hurriedness, not wanting to disturb anybody, you know, you stay in somebody's house, you, you don't want to disturb them too much. He probably went right on out the door and thought nothing about bread or wine. But he walked two miles into Bethany, okay? And so by that time, he's feeling a little hunger pain. And he thinks about, man, I should have checked the cupboard back there before I left. But listen to this. He had a day of work to do. So in the morning, he returned to the city. And he became hungry. Look at verse 19. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, right by the road, he went to it, and listen to these, these words again, and found nothing on it, but only leaves. And he said to it, may, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. A fig tree in full leaf right beside the, the road. Okay, so... Y'all been there? Uh, I, can, I can remember back to a fast that I did one time, and I was getting close to the end of the fast, and I, I, I was out somewhere, and there were dewberries. Y'all know what dewberries are? It's the, the, the little vine that grows on the ground. It's not blackberries. They're dewberries. They're not very big. There's not much substance to them. Like a, but, but, so I'd been on a, a fast for a, a minute, and so the first thing I knew, I had picked some of those, those the dewberries, and I was about to put it in my mouth. Yeah, you've been there, you've hungered, and you look over there and you see a peach tree. And man, it looks like it's got peaches on it and they're ready. So that's what happened to Jesus as he went along in, in the flesh. Okay? It wasn't time for fig trees to be ripe, but in the case of this fig trees we've already talked about, there should have been some type of fruit on it. It had wood, it had foliage, it looked like a fig tree. Come on now. If it looks like an apple tree, it ought to have apples on it, right? If it looks like a peach tree, it ought to have peaches on it. If, if it looks like a Christian, there ought to be some fruit on it. Now what this is looking at, it was, it was a picture of Jerusalem. And listen to this. The, the quote, established religion. 
the, quote, established religion without Christ is no religion at all. It's just a name. There was religion, are y'all listening? But no repentance. I don't know about you, but the, <laughs> the biggest evidence in my life is uh, I'm often reminded of my sinfulness, right? And so right after reminder of my sinfulness, the next thing about me ought to be what? Repentance. If you're a Christian, there will be, there will be many opportunities. Somebody say amen with me. There will be many opportunities to repent. That's good news. I, I'll pick on Brother Bob. I won't worry about embarrassing him. Uh, oh, my. When you've been around somebody 40 years, you forget how long ago it was. But uh, several years ago, uh, right up here on this stage, uh, for the first time, in, and I'd known Brother Bob for a long time, he became, uh, he became very open and very transparent to, to the church, I believe on a Sunday night and confess some things to the church openly that, that I'd never really ever heard, right? He was, he was uh, you know what it means to be, uh, uh, what was that word I used? Huh? Yeah, transparent. And so uh, he confessed some sins, and he asked for forgiveness from the Lord and forgiveness from the church. and that, That's a good sign. And, and I want to tell you, in my opinion, as his pastor, for the next few years after that, even in a man in his 70s or in his 80s, there was, there was lots of rapid spiritual growth. Repentance is good. Okay? To be convicted of sin is good. And repentance is good because the blood of Jesus is sufficient. Amen? Fruit of repentance. There was no repentance. There was no faith. And there was very little holiness. You know, Jesus, His business after saving us is to make us holy, to make us more like Him. We just read it yesterday uh, in, our, in our daily Bible readings. His, his business is to make us more like Him. You look, we, we don't have to be sinless, right? But there's got to be some spiritual integrity about us. We've got to be honest and open people. A pure heart, that's what God looks for. A pure heart, listen to this, devoted to loving God, serving God, and obeying God. Are y'all want, you want some fruit? I'm not talking about necessarily love, joy, peace, patience. I'm not talking about winning souls. Listen, this is what fruit looks like. Listen to me again. A pure heart, a heart that's not double-minded. My main purpose is to love God and serve God. What's the purpose of man? To, uh, to love God and to enjoy Him forever. To live for His glory. A pure heart devoted to loving God, serving God, and obeying God. That's what holiness looks like. It doesn't mean sinless. There's no such person. Now, 6% of the church indicates in answering questions that they're born again. Now that is a staggering statistic. Only 6% of the church 
I'm talking about the local New Testament church and answering questions indicate that they're born again. Now, it gets more staggering. And out of that 6% of church members, when they ask questions about whether or not, uh, when they're answering spiritual questions, only 6% of that 6% actually believe and have a biblical worldview. You know why? I, I, the last I knew, and I bet, it, I bet it's no more today. The last I knew, only 3% of Christians had ever read the instruction book from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, you are in, you are in tall cotton if you've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Look, there's no way to love God like we should. There's no way to obey God if we don't even read His Word. I, I saw a little 11-second vi- 11, 11 video. Uh, it was good. Um, let me see if I can get it. This is the Word of God. This is my authority. This is what I'm going to live like. And you can take it or leave it. So let me ask you. This obviously is a picture of Jerusalem and the temple at that time. But is this not a picture of the church in America today? No fruit, no repentance, no holiness. It looks like the world. I'm not whipping you guys. Look, I'm not. I'm talking about the local church. I'm not necessarily talking about Maranatha Baptist Church. Because I see fruit. I see holiness. I see repentance. I see Bible readers. So Jesus used this barren fig tree as an object lesson. He came to it as He came to the Jews. He came to it as He comes to us individually. He came to it as He would the church in America today. He found nothing but leaves And he condemned it to wither. He judged the tree for lack of fruit. God expects fruit in your life. It starts with faith and belief in Christ. It will will be highlighted by repentance. It will be highlighted by change. Whatever that looks like, in every one of our lives, it's going to look different. And he says, may no fruit ever come from you again. Wow. Did you know when we're judged eternally, there'll be no more chance for bearing fruit? What? Immediately. 
and the fig tree withered at once. Now, Matthew would appear this happened one day, one day plain. Mark, would, it would appear it happened on Monday and Tuesday morning when he came back. It was completely gone. Withered. Dead. Judgment will be swift. Are y'all listening? And decisive. I mean, how decisive can you be? When it's done, it's done. Heaven, hell. <laughs> right, left. Well, wait a minute, I think I'd rather have this path right here going out the door. Heaven, hell. Left, right. So, this is interesting, and, and I found this. I, I'm not quick enough to get this. This is the only instant in God's Word that Jesus worked a miracle of judgment. Now, He's going to be the judge. But here He did a miracle of judgment. The fig tree withered. It's a picture. It's a symbolic picture of what? The coming judgment. For who? All. And I believe it was kind of Jesus to use the demise of a simple fig tree to teach us a valuable lesson, huh? I'm, I'm glad that he saw fit to uh, cut down Lincoln's cherry tree to, uh, to show us the truth that we better be bearing some fruit. Amen? So look at verse 20. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? Does this not amaze you? Even after all the miracles that he had worked, the disciples were yet marveled? Why did it surprise them now that his work was perfect, complete, and quick, and decisive? Listen, whatever he's done, he's done it with authority. Whatever he's got left to do, he's going to do it with authority. And there won't be no wishy-washy about it. Verse 21, and Jesus answered them, now this is, this is, I'm still working on this, and maybe y'all can help me. If you want to help me with this, I'd be glad to, to get your phone call or a text or an email. He, he, goes, he goes right from this into talking about faith and prayer. But come on now, maybe it's going to come into my mind, and maybe it's going to come into your mind, right? All right, so if we need to be bearing fruit, right? And we've been struggling with it. Somebody say amen. Okay? No holiness, no repentance, uh, no, no desire for obedience to God. If I'm lacking in some fruitfulness, uh, Lord, what? Tell me what I can do, right? Okay? Tell me, what, tell me what I can do. Well, I think that's where he's going with this. Look at verse 21. And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown to the sea, it will happen. Now look, this is hyperbole. This is, this is an amazing. You see, he said, well, don't think that's a miracle. He says, look over here at this mountain. If you really have faith, you can pray and this mountain will be moved. So what's he teaching us? That prayer and faith moves mountains. Are y'all with me? Faith and and and. Faith in prayer will, will take a, a, a fruitless vine. Are y'all with me? I take a fruitless vine and give it the ability to bear fruit. 
We have not because we ask not. A lesson on faith and prayer. If you have faith and do not doubt, are we of little faith? I find myself to be a a person of little faith. Probably when it comes to the more daily things than maybe miraculous things. But I should be like the... uh, I should be like the, the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders. I should be like the disciples. Come on now. Have we not seen enough? Have we not seen enough of the miracle-working God that we serve to remove all the lack of faith that we have? I, I mean... Uh, Paul and I talked about it this morning. We talked about the scenario after a a year of uh, planning some things spiritually, the the detailed uh, way that God worked it out. I mean, detail. Just think about your life and how things have worked out in your life and to detail. Well, who did that? Who brought that about? Almighty God did. Listen, listen to me carefully. By a living faith, fruitfulness, fruitlessness will disappear. Let me say that again. And I've got it, if it's in your notes, I got it wrong. I just see it now in my, in my notes. Listen. Yeah. By a living faith in God, our fruitlessness will disappear. Are y'all with me? Because we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to do what? Produce what? Fruit in us. You may not have that note because I cut out some of the notes uh, to, to get it in a program. So, mountains of spiritual problems will be resolved. Look what it says in uh, in the last Three words of verse 21. Okay? It will what? Somebody, somebody, somebody else read that. It will, it will happen. Prayerfulness about a lack of fruitfulness will have an effect on us and we'll become fruit producers. Amen. We have not because we... Oh, it could be that we have not because we're selfish and that little thing that we want to hang on to, we don't want to give it up. And we know we're going to have to give up that little thing to really bear the fruit that he would have us to bear. Or prideful, whatever the case may be. Remember those three root sins? Pride, selfishness, and unbelief. So, look at verse 22. And what's that second word? Whatever, whatever you ask in prayer, whatever you ask in prayer that would align, align itself with the what? The will of God. Would God desire that we all bear fruit for Him? Would God desire that we all be repentant? Would God desire that we all become more holy? 
Would God desire that we have a love for God's Word? Would God love for, uh, would God desire that we love Him and want to live for His honor and glory? Yeah, so when we begin to pray about those things, those things will happen. We have not because we... You know, I don't know about, and I, but now you guys, you guys might find me at fault for this. I'm the man of the house, and I don't take care of the finances in our house. Uh, Jeannie does, and she's much better at it than I am. But you know, I, I do know this about our checkbook. It doesn't have unlimited funds. Okay, now look. For you that don't know much about finances, just because you have checks in your hand doesn't mean there's money in the bank, okay? Just in case you didn't understand that, okay? So, so, so I understand that, but, but God's, God's deposit, God's holding of grace, God's holding of fruit, right, is unlimited, you're not going to write a check or you're not going to say a prayer and ask God to give you more, more ability to repent and more holiness and more desire for God's Word and more desire to live for God's glory. And He's going, he's going to say back, there's no funds there. They're there. We have not because we ask not. What a promise. Let's read the scripture. I know you got these. Look at Matthew 17, 20. Now, this is important, okay? Matthew 17, 20. He's already taught on this. He taught on it in chapter 7. We'll look at that too. Look at Matthew 17, 20. He said to them, because of your little faith, our problem is, is that we have little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Listen, there's, there's nothing as far as holiness and fruitfulness for God that, that you're not capable of if you will ask for it. But you know, isn't it, are y'all the only ones that, am I the only one that sometimes that's our last resort to pray? We'll, we'll best bust our heads and try it and try it and try it, and we realize we haven't prayed. Look at Matthew 7, 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, we learned this in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Now, we're not talking about a blank check to get a $59,000 truck, right? Or a better job or a better looking girl or whatever the case may be. What we're talking about here is spiritual things. Whatever you need spiritually that lines up with God's Word and the will of God, you can count on it. How much clearer can it be? Asking will be given to you. Seeking you'll knock and the door will be open to you. Whoever asks receives. Whoever knocks finds. Wow. It will be open. Listen. What is spiritually impossible for us Without God, all of a sudden is possible with God. Lines up with His Word, 
lines up with His will, we can ask and expect to receive it. Now, there's a couple of things that would help with this, and He teaches us in this. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Don't pray and ask God for spiritual blessings while holding unforgiveness towards someone else. Even if you're justified in doing it. Hey, they are a terrible, wicked, evil person. And what they did to you is absolutely horrific. But you need to forgive them. I didn't say you need to befriend them. I said you need to forgive them. If we could just pray the prayer of faith. All right, so what's holding us back? Prayer. Sometimes we're too lazy to spend time in prayer. Sometimes we won't make the effort. Sometimes we just say, I don't feel like praying. Believing prayer, listen, is is the foretaste of a coming blessing. I can admit that often believing is not there. How about people you prayed for and prayed for and prayed for? They've disappointed you over and over again. Our faith sometimes gets little. But the, the general proposition is true. And it shall be made good to every believer that whatsoever good is made the matter of a promise. Such are all good things. Our promises from God shall be given to believing souls that are praying for them. It's going to come. Think about that grandma that's prayed for a prodigal son or a prodigal grandson forever and ever and ever. And they're going to pray for them until the last opportunity to pray for them. But we pray believing. Mark adds that it must also, our prayer, be attended by love. We need to be loving people. What did he say in 2 Corinthians 13, 2 or 3 or 1 Corinthians 13, 2? If we don't do it with love, it sounds like a clinging symbol. So not only do we have to be forgiving people, we've got to be loving people. We've got to be people who are charitable and loving towards others. Right? We're talking about having our... What are we talking about here? We're talking about having our prayers answered. And what are those prayers? Spiritual fruitfulness. Charity, a charitable heart, ready to forgive, actually forgiving those that are trespassed against us. In the last scripture for today, Mark eleven twenty through 25, And as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away at its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. So then this, this kind of helps us with what do we need to do to have our prayers answered. Look at verse 34. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Have faith. Look at verse 25. And whether you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven 
may forgive you your trespasses. So what can we learn from this text? And I think you have these. Are y'all ready? God expects fruitfulness. If you claim, I believe in God, if you claim to be a Christian, He expects fruitfulness from you. There was religion. This is not where we want to be. There was religion in Jerusalem, but there was no repentance. There was no faith. There was little holiness. Let me say it again. Don't expect to be sinless, but we should be moving towards repentance and turning away from sin. We should have a pure heart devoted to loving God, serving God, and obeying God. We should have the, we should have, it should be us to do the will of God from the heart. Don't, hey, look, don't do it to satisfy me. Don't do it to satisfy your wife. Don't, don't do it to satisfy the church or anybody else. Do what you do because you love God. Number two, God's judgment will be swift and complete. Remember the days of Noah, Jan sings about it. Dancing and partying. And then the flood came. Swift and sudden. God does miracles again and again, and people are still surprised. Listen, there is, Brother Bob's taught us this for years. There's no greater miracle than a dead spiritual man who is living for himself and living for the devil and living for the world to become a born again, to have experienced a divine change and has a radically changed life. That is a miracle. Is he still doing that today? Amen. Four, God is sovereign and when we pray prayers of faith, he does what needs to be done in our lives spiritually. So, three scriptures. John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Abiding in him. You know what that means? You're a person of the word. Somebody say amen. And a person of prayer. That's abiding in him. You could go on and on. We could discuss that. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears. So, what we're asking for, we've got to know that God is pleased for us asking that. And He is always going to answer the prayers of us being more fruitful spiritually. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. What will that make you? Okay, listen to this that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When we are people of faith and prayer and repentance and God is doing a work in our lives and we are bearing fruit and we pray for more fruit, we're going to get it. So, this is a summary. You want more prayer answered? Let me ask you, do you need more prayer answered? Well, how about individually, spiritually? How about in our families' lives? How about in our church? How about in our country? 
We need to be a person of prayer. Are there circumstances that need addressed in our lives individually? Are there circumstances in our family that need addressed? Are there circumstances in our church that need addressed? Let me give you one. God, give us more workers. Give us more teachers. Are there sins still to overcome? Is there fruit to be put on? Abide in Christ through Bible reading and prayer. We're talking about putting on fruit. Avail oneself to as many means of grace as you can. So, if, if all a person does is come to church on Sunday morning, that is availing themselves to one means of grace. Every time we get together a symbol with brothers and sisters of Christ, there's an opportunity for spiritual work to be done in our lives, right? But if that's all a person is getting, they're just getting the tip of the iceberg. So I'm talking, what else can we do to avail ourselves to God so He can do more fruitfulness in our lives? We can assemble to put off sin and put on fruit. So we assemble together. Uh, we pray and we put off sin and we put on fruit. We worship, right, as a group. We study. We practice family worship. We fellowship with believers. We do work in the church. The more of that kind of stuff that we do, the more we're availing ourselves to the graces of God. So, you with me? So, where are you at? And what is the next step that you need to take to avail yourself that God might do more fruit work in our lives individually and as a church? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you for the patience that the people have had with me. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would do with this people and do with this message what you see fit to do for your honor and your glory. Lord, we love you and praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Billy, could you come and pray for the offering?